0: you're listening to Phanalysis, a sci-fi and fantasy podcast. In this episode, we're talking about episode 104 of Winona Earp, The Blade. My name is Chris. And
1: I'm Annie. And I'm Stephanie. And let's get started with our general thoughts about this episode. What did you think, Chris? I liked the episode pretty well. I I like that we got
0: more background on all of our main characters. I appreciated the character development there. And you know the the case for this week I thought was pretty good and creepy and kind of reminded me a lot of a lot of the Lost Girl Fae of the Week episodes so
1: I enjoyed it I thought it was I thought it was pretty good Me too I liked this episode fine I I can appreciate a really creepy boogeyman storyline though I'm pretty sure I'm going to have nightmares now. Thanks a lot. Ma- thanks a lot, why no I was at Thanks a lot, Lost Girl. Wrong show.
0: <laughs> well, again, it's similar to a lot of Lost Girl episodes. So thanks yeah. a lot, Lost Girl too.
1: I know, it's true. <laughs> like that the, the the Kappa guy, like oh, he showed up in my dreams a couple of times. Oh, creepy. I really like seeing dolls and and Winona and Waverly. I really like seeing them kind of coalesce as a team in this episode. And I also really liked the stuff that we got between Winona and and Waverly. What do you think, Annie? You know, when you're
2: watching a show and you're trying it out for the first time, when it first comes on and you're like, "Oh yeah, this is fun. This is pretty good." And um, that's how I felt so far about Winona. But then you get to an episode and the whole thing kind of clicks into place. You're just like, "Yeah, I'm down with this show." So. That's how I feel now, because the show's really just coming together. And as you said, the team's working together to take down a pretty high on the Disturbometer, you know, spooky revenant of the week. As you said, I loved all the Earp sisters' emotional scenes, and I love that they're developing, you know, to continue to, de- to develop that between the sisters and seeing dolls open up and be a different side of him. And I think it's, it's good to see Doc stepping in and backing up Winona. So, yeah, I loved it.
0: I do appreciate that we got herb sister stuff, which we always yeah. get herb sister stuff. But I like that we always get herb sister stuff.
1: Well, and I liked their take on this conflict between the two of them because it it wasn't really a conflict, not really. Like it was Waverly feeling resentful that Winona got picked as heir, where she's the one who's been preparing for it all this time. But I think also Waverly knows that it's not like Winona did that on purpose, right? Yeah, and we've seen how ambivalent Winona feels about being the heir and feeling like really Willa should be the one in her spot. So, I liked that. Like, yeah, there was some stuff there that they needed to talk about, but at the same time, it wasn't like it was a huge argument between the two of them. It was just like Winona encouraging Waverly to be honest about what was bothering her. Right, because mm-hmm. it's like
0: Waverly is resentful about it, but she's not resentful towards Winona about it. Is sort of right the thing. Because I mean. She can't be, really, because, I mean, not justifiably, you know.
1: Yeah, it it was just, it wasn't like Winona went and took the spot that she wanted to get on the roller derby team, you know. Yeah. It's, it's-
2: <laughs> <laughs> just a random example of the roller How derby How much more team. gay can you get with your examples, <laughs> Stephanie?
1: Oh, no. What would their roller <laughs> derby names be? Oh, gosh. Uh, well,
2: hmm. <laughs> Jackhammer and something. I don't know. Flamethrower.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't nearly punny enough. We'll have I know, to think I about know.
0: it. Okay. okay. Send your feedback, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, maybe I, like the pacemaker for, for Winona because maybe it gives people you mean a. Pacemaker, right? No, I'm a. It's a
2: never mind. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: That just did not work with me. Apparently. But no, because like. It's a play off of Peacemaker, because like, she's going to give people heart problems because she's so terrifying on the roller derby court. No. I'm not saying this is my best <laughs> suggestion. you sprung this on me. I'm not good at puns. <laughs>
2: You're
0: the one who brought up roller derby. It's your own fault.
2: But I like the conflict because, you know, I thought about it for a while and I'm like, why would... Waverly be upset. Like, I want to be able to kill demons, which is a pretty dangerous job, but it's no, it just came from her genuine, I think, heart of she really wanted to end this curse on her family yeah. and take away this terrible, you know, instance that keeps plaguing her family through through the generations.
0: Well, I mean, to have something hey. so horrible happen where you yeah. lose half your family when you're six. I mean, she, she just wanted to, you know, help in
2: where she could. But then I love how Wynona says, well, you know, you have a hundred reasons to hate me, but you still love me. It's why I love you, dude. And I love how she called her dude. My older sister does that sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's it's my sister. So <laughs> I feel like, yeah, the way the relationship is written is really genuine. And the way it's acted is just really, really very true to life.
1: I don't have siblings, so I, I can't really speak to like the, the genuineness of the portrayal between siblings. But I, something that I liked is just the I like it when writers explore conflict in ways that are not just like fight, big fights or breakups yeah, right. when it comes to romantic relationships. So I felt like this was a good really good instance of that.
2: Yeah, and I liked how she said... Well, isn't this the part where you're supposed to tell me how much you love me too? You know, and it was kind of a play on that line and she just, and Waverly just says, You're a lone wolf, you're kinda, you're needy. kinda needy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that lot." And it's just you know, it's not a nice and pat scene and I think it's not wrapped up with a bow and I think this is still gonna come back later. And I like how like you said, Stephanie, the conflict is explored in ways that aren't so cookie cutter.
0: But I like that even though you would st- typically get the, I love you too, sis, or whatever. They're affectionate without needing to say that, you know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Which I think is
0: really what they're going for in that scene, which I appreciate.
2: And it's done through disgusting tasting alcohol, which I'm quite (laughs) sure does exist, knowing Japanese tastes and weird... What do you mean Japanese? Think about how many
0: weird flavors of vodka there are.
2: Well, no, or weird flavors of Kit Kat, which, or Pocky Sticks, which Chris and I tend to those things are not, delicious. Nut-deed. Annie. Yeah, oh, okay. Well no, they look kinda gross to me. I am not eating green tea, Kit Kat. Those are so good. Oh my god, those oh, are so no. good. Oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So but I totally believe bubblegum, you know, sake exists. I'm sure. That was just so
1: Wynona threatening her by threatening to drink her alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: And then What happened? Did you eat all the corn chips? No. Yes. In that moment, I was like, why no It is me. I am the one who's always eating all the corn chips.
1: <laughs> I know, me too. Uh. More like tortilla chips, but I will eat the corn <laughs> chips too. Close enough. <laughs> We learned some interesting things in this episode. You mentioned Annie. You know, Dolls was still kind of on your eh, "I'm not sure about this guy" list in the last episode. But I yeah, thought, especially yeah. in this episode, he became a lot more human and softened around the edges. He's still yeah, kind of crusty, too. but I feel like he was made more likable in this episode. It is. It's the
0: yeah. nicest we've ever seen him be. Nicest and most forgiving.
1: And when to even commented about it, she's like, "That's the most undolls thing you've yeah, ever yeah. said to me." Even with his crazy laugh,
2: a la Joker.
1: (laughs) Is is he laughing? I've never been so scared in my life. (laughs) Same.
2: (laughs) I think Shamir Anderson did a great job with that part.
1: Hmm. So Chris, you were teasing me about using crush words in regards to dolls in the first episode that we did. I think I might actually have a little bit of a crush on him now. I didn't then, but I think I might now. Because in the scene where he got possessed and, like, you know, he rises up and his arms are pulled back and, like... Really does it for you, eh? Well, no, I was like, is his shirt gonna rip? Is his shirt gonna rip,
2: please? <laughs> yeah, he was rather attractive in that scene. I don't know, what? I was just like, Wow. You like the, the hollowed out eyes look? No,
1: it's just that uh, he's got a nice body. Yeah, I was like, wow.
2: I just noticed it for that.
1: But then I also, I admit, I noticed his bum when he sat on the table to talk to, <laughs> to Doc <Holliday>. uh, <laughs> It's I like, hmm. I
2: didn't notice his bum there, but I did laugh when Melanie Scorfano tweeted uh, Shemir, and she, she goes... Remember how much your balls hurt when you were in the harness? He goes, oh, yeah, I'm still recovering. (laughs) (laughs)
0: There were some uh, saucy tweets last night.
1: Oh, I missed them. 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. Central is too late for me, you guys. I fell asleep (laughs) before the show started. (laughs) Because I wake up at, six, at 5 a.m., I, I, I should say. That's why it's too late for me. But we learned about some stuff about dolls in this in this episode. Apparently, he said he was recruited out of the military, but it sounds like he was doing Black Badge-type stuff, maybe in conjunction with the military, because he talked about doing some stuff in, in Kandahar.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Which, can we also mention the whole,
2: I'm going to get you a map line? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I totally would have needed a map. I would have been like,
1: you were in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> well, I was glad that he just said that, because when he said Kandahar, I was like, oh, Afghanistan. And then she said, why are you in Iraq? I was like, wait a minute, am I wrong? <laughs> uh, <laughs> dolls corrected her. I was like, oh, whew, thank you. <laughs> I mean, admittedly,
0: I needed a map too, but yeah. I just I, that was a good line.
1: And I liked seeing th- that Dolls knew some magic, creepy stuff, because I feel like often that character who's like the the government, muscle guy they keep that that character kind of separate from the person who knows like the mystical stuff they're usually like really skeptical right so i'm glad that he's more of a molder here where he will he does both
2: (laughs) yeah like he was someone who had all the knowledge and the resources and was spreading out the sheet with the star on it and i was like wow he's got it down and then he had all the past histories so i was like whoa he's he's done this before so yeah i like seeing that and just like like randomly brings up transmogrification and yeah, and <laughs> And then I tweeted. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I needed a dictionary. I
0: tweeted last night. Like, <laughs> why do I feel like like dolls has seen Harry Potter, but Winona hasn't?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys sort of thought put them in the same category the way that I did, but I thought both dolls and Winona had like two really cute scenes where they were figuring stuff out. And it made me like them a lot as characters. Because when dolls was going through that whole, oh, we need to transmogrify and thing. And he's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, that was the first time I felt like he really broke his stolid character and he was getting excited. And I was like, and he was kind of like geeking out about yeah. you know, all of this stuff. I'm like, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you find him very relatable in that moment? <laughs>
1: exactly yeah. yeah me too and then later on when winona was figuring out all of the water stuff she's like i feel so smart right now I her
2: face when she's <laughs> she dying them. at that line oh yeah her precious both face. Of those moments
1: it, yeah they just is really relatable i think to to the characters i just felt
2: like oh i understand them in this mo- these moments <laughs> so when was waverly gonna get her own black badge division little wallet thing or at least one that says she's a mascot
1: well, she doesn't but, want to be a mascot, well, she wants to
2: or be research work. assistant. You know, we have those at work, and you can be very valuable as a research assistant. But yeah, because she studied for four years, and she knows, she knows Latin, which Dominique memorized for two weeks, she said, and then she said it was all in the book. <laughs> <laughs> Emily and Melanie were saying, oh, you're so Waverly <laughs> and, um, on Twitter last night, it was funny. She does good Latin. Including awesome sauce. Or no, wait. It was amaze balls. Amaze balls. And I'm like, I'm pretty
0: sure there's no direct translation for amaze balls in Latin.
1: (laughs) I know (laughs) Chris says as somebody who took Latin. (laughs) (laughs) That was a cute moment, though. I liked that a lot. And it reminded me of the, I think it's room with a view in an an angel, Mm -hmm. Chris. Where Angel turns over the reading of Latin to Doyle, who's just, like, reading it horribly. <laughs> she did a good job, but for some reason I just was remembering that and it made yeah, me chuckle. Yeah, I-,
0: I always think of the quick Latin lesson. Everything's yeah, phonetic. Yeah, exactly.
1: And C's sound
0: like K's. No, it was V sounds like oh, W. V sounds like W. That's right. Also, C's sound like K's. But there's everybody's Latin lesson for the day.
1: Thank you for the lesson for the day. C's
0: are K, <laughs> K sounds, V's are W sounds.
1: Say each vowel separately.
0: Everything else is pretty much phonetic. <laughs>
1: We learned quite a bit about Doc Holiday in this episode. We got a couple of. You
2: sound so grumpy.
0: We should oh, we should promise this. Flashbacks. Stephanie hates flashbacks.
1: Not a fan of flashbacks. These were fine. Whatever. They were at least information that we didn't know. But I'm having some issues with the Doc Holiday character personally. So I don't know. I wasn't really into his his storyline this episode.
2: I was into his shooting skills. Those are hot. <laughs> What did you think of Doc Holiday this episode, then, Chris? I thought it was fine.
0: I, I have me too. no strong feelings, I guess, about Doc Holliday at the moment.
2: Well, I'm wondering if the person who changed him, is it the same as the stone witch who tried to get the revenants over the line? It
0: seems likely from what we've heard, but I don't know.
1: It's been implied by the conversations that he has had with Bobo that she is the one who changed him. What's Doc Holiday's
2: motivation now that he wants to go after her? Maybe he's just tired of being long-lived.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We don't know exactly what he wants with the Stone Witch, but, but I did like they spelled out in this episode for us that he can't be killed. It's not that he's immortal, but he's not gonna die from poor health or old age.
2: Although Chris, you were wondering where he got his clothes and like how's he get his money since he just has a couple of coins and not modern. But well, we coinage. have seen
0: him playing poker, so that's mm-hmm. that's true. my assumption.
1: My my issue with Doc Holliday is that it's like, I like Tim Rosen as an actor. I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong with him. It's just, I don't quite understand why he's on the show. Hmm. There's a concept that I got from both previously.tv, the website, as well as their podcast, Extra Hot Great. They talk about the Pierce character. Which is, I forget what show the namesake came from, but a Pierce is like a character who could be removed from the show and it's essentially still the same show. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like he's kind of a Pierce character. I feel like we could take him out and the show would still be the same. So I'm struggling to figure out like why he's in the mix. And I'm trying to be patient. It's only episode four. Uh, But I think that's why I'm having trouble getting into a storyline is I kind of feel like, why is this important to what Winona and Waverly, you know, what, what they're going through?
2: Yeah, that's fair, because they haven't revealed all of his motivations yet. And now we know he's not a Revenant, but we still don't quite know everything about why he's there and what he's doing. Because I think I felt in the first few episodes, when it got just to Doc scenes or the scenes between Doc and Bobo setting up their conflict, that the show slowed down a little bit because it was a little too talky for me, a little bit too much sh- extraneous dialogue. So yeah, I can kind of get that.
0: I feel like there's an effort to tie the past in more directly through that than just the Revenants, but yeah, it's still, so far, not strictly necessary. If we're going to continue with the Buffy metaphors, or Buffy parallels here, I'm going to assume that he's sort of the angel of the series, right? Where... He's basically there for like the element of of mystery and is he a good guy or is he a bad guy and mm-hmm. m- maybe he'll be a kind of love interest or maybe not I don't know. But I feel like that's maybe what they're going for with Doc. So yeah, I mean I don't know how it'll change as the show progresses.
1: But especially when they that like final scene at the at the end where they showed the the second flashback about him reviving his health so that he could help Wyatt but they too the two of them kind of had that falling out it almost feels like he needs to have his own show where he's the lead and he's they're dealing with his conflict i don't really understand what he's doing here if that makes any mm-hmm. sense yeah that's that's fair i kind of get it I mean, the parts that I did like this episode
2: with Doc was where he interacted more with the other characters and gave them, you know, backed them up, or they gave each other purpose in that scene, like the scene with Winona in the truck at the end where he was just saying, you know, I've got a life full of memories and regrets, and I want more than that for you. I thought that was a bit of a touching moment, and I thought, I'm like, Yeah, well, that was a nice scene. Yeah, yeah. It could go either way, so in terms of...
1: and I And a- I liked his line that he had where... <laughs> Where he was saying, you know, like, oh, I, I don't know what lie I told you. I was probably drunk. She's like, it was 8 a.m. I was definitely drunk. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh.
2: <laughs> so I feel like, you know, the way sh- the show is being set up with Doc is that his motivations for his own personal revenge are going to conflict with, as he says, he cares about Winona and Waverly, so you know that's the conflict and where it's going. So I think that'll continue to develop. And at the same time, I can kind of get—I can get your point, Stephanie. I don't want too much of the screen time to be—you know—hopefully it's balanced so that we're not spending all of our time as an audience trying to figure out Doc's own issues and conflict instead of
1: Winona since she's the lead. Speaking of Winona, I thought it was interesting in this episode we got confirmation that she had been. Hospitalized for a time. I, she mentioned it, I believe, in the first episode. Yeah, she but, said they had me committed. Yeah, yeah. But I, I liked that we got a reiteration of that piece of her past in this episode, and she also mentioned the fact that she was like in and out of juvie a lot as that ad- as an adolescent. But that made me wonder, like, what happened to Waverly? Then have they mentioned? Why you know what happened to Waverly when her father was killed? No,
0: I don't think so. I guess I've been assuming that she was with Gus and the uncle whose name I don't
2: remember. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But then when was saying she was out of her eighth foster home, she hasn't mentioned that yet too—that she was also in foster homes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what a poor adolescence you had, Wynonna. I felt so bad for
1: her. And I, and I guess we're supposed to assume that Gus didn't take her in or whatever family took Waverly and didn't take Wynona in because they thought she was such a troublemaker or something. Or
2: she could have been like put on, put in juvie right from the beginning, right? After she accidentally shot her dad or it could have been some legal tangle that made her, you know, she would have been with Gus otherwise, but because of her dad dying that she went up to juvie right away or something like that. So,
1: But usually when you get out of juvie, they send you back home. So why she wouldn't have gone back home to Gus... And why she wouldn't put into foster care is something I have a question about. The only thing I can assume was that because she was getting into trouble, Gus said, Nope. I'm um, you know Yeah.
2: Well that always breaks my heart and when I rewatch the um pilot and Gus says, you know, I love you, Winona, but you're as broken as they come and I'm like, Oh, why would she say that's kinda mean, why would you say something like that? But yeah, it's be interesting to go more and now that I we're finding out more about Winona's background to kind of see why Gus would say such a thing, you know, about her Mm -hmm. own family. But yeah, I felt bad for teenage Winona. I mean, finding entrails in your locker?
0: Ugh. I
1: know. That's, like,
0: next-level meanness.
1: It's been interesting to me because they made that reference to Winona being hospitalized for thinking that Revenants killed her father, presumably, you know, back when she was a kid, and, you know, being labeled as crazy. So it's been interesting to me that to hear her use words like crazy and psychopath very casually has been kind of, it's felt a little off to me, honestly, Uh, but because just because people I know who have been hospitalized and things like that, that's something they're very sensitive about. Mm -hmm. So I would be curious if they, would maybe set up a little storyline about the fact that Winona has been labeled crazy and what that means for people once they've sort of had that sticker put on them by society.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, I can kind of see how maybe Winona being the way Winona is would just, like, that's lean like into it. defense
2: mechanism.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think the, the crazy stuff, because, like, when she does the whole crazy chick with a gun thing, I think when she calls herself crazy, I think she is doing that a little bit.
0: Right. I guess that's what I meant.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but she has that line to Waverly in, like, the first episode, maybe, or second episode, where she's like, oh, you adorable little psychopath, and that just kind of struck me as a little off, just because she does she's established as having that past experience, but that's just Mm
2: me. I think she just integrates it as maybe part of a defense mechanism so that she tries to make some humor out of it almost in a way just to, you know, if I, yeah, if you say, if you lean into it and just embrace it, then maybe I'll forget how much society really thinks I am crazy. So I might as well call myself that or throw those terms around.
1: But I would be interested again to have maybe have some really direct story about that fact at some point, Mm -hmm. but that's me
2: but no but no flashbacks because stephanie doesn't like flashbacks
1: no flashbacks well you don't have to do flashbacks you can (laughs) explore it through a current timeline storyline well
2: i do i did really like that scene between dolls and winona where she was explaining her whole guilt about yeah her classmate killing the other classmate's mother and father her father melanie does a really good job with those emotional scenes
1: So we've mentioned some stuff that made us happy in this episode i i also uh, gus really made me happy in this episode yeah. <laughs> when she was mean to to doc not because she was being mean to doc but the way that she was mean to doc i was gonna say it was because you hate doc right <laughs> i don't hate doc i just don't understand why he's on my screen i know i'm
0: giving you a hard time <laughs> i don't hate him i just resent his existence
2: <laughs>
1: That's all. But I love Gus's line about management reserves the right to refuse service to Jack Beep. I'm management. You're the Jack Beep. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. See, that's my only critique about this episode. Is we needed more Gus, and we where, need more Gus. <laughs> and then where was Officer Hot? And I loved how somebody mentioned yes yesterday on Twitter. Officer Hot ran this plate, and they're like, Officer Hot, my gay ears perk up or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our right, our radar goes off, ding, da, ding, ding. Anyway. But I do want more of those two characters. But
0: the question I had on Twitter, I asked if Gus was in charge of Shorty's now, 'cause like It seemed like it, yeah. Right. No. I mean she said she's management, so I, I didn't get an answer, but Emily Andrus did favorite the tweet, so I guess mm-hmm. maybe Shorty's bar is Gus's now. I don't know. Maybe that counts as an answer.
1: Maybe he willed it to her or something like that. Quite possible. I just I had questions. Mm. I had the same thought though, so I think that's fair to okay. ask. My other big question that I had, since we're talking about questions, was: Winona says that the the barber guy that they are going after this episode, he was one of the seven who took Ward and Willa. But in this episode, he seems to travel through mirrors. It looks like he's chained to that lake. So I'm kind of confused as to how he could have been one of the seven revenants who took her family given what we saw of him well, maybe here. Maybe he was chained to the lake
2: in the intervening fift- somewhere in the intervening 15 years by Doc after he killed. He was one of the seven that killed Mord and Willa. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little weird that timeline, but what I'm finding weird is that every revenant they're running against so far is one of the seven.
1: Yeah, that kind of irks me a little.
2: <laughs> like uh, Red and the guy who ran really fast, the hellhound, and now the barber guy, and I'm like, aren't you almost... And it wasn't, uh... Killer Mike, one of the seven, too.
1: Killer Miller. (laughs) Killer Miller. See, I didn't even realize it was wrong. It just sounded right to me.
0: (laughs) Which is why I corrected it.
2: (laughs) You've
1: killed like four out of
2: the seven, and you're only on episode four. And I'm like. I kind
1: of wish they would space that out more because, you know, this is the big party that is responsible for this terrible moment in her life, and I wish they would space it out a bit more as far as her confronting these guys. What if
0: they plan on resolving that by the end of the season? And then moving on to something else in season two.
1: But I kind of wish they would, like, build it up for a couple of episodes and then maybe have it confront several of them at once rather than, like, picking them off one Mm. at a time. Well, and I think it's very
2: convenient how Winona just happens to remember, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy was there and he killed my family right when they encounter him. We have a brief flashback to Red or the Hellhound or whoever, Revenant. This is something I was unclear on, maybe. But we see the confrontation between Bobo and Winona. and Winona's all raring to go and just shoot him in the face. I don't know if it was ever made clear to me. Maybe I just was lost in all the dialogue in the first few episodes. That Bobo was the one who was in charge of the Seven or manipulated Willow. So that's why, or manipulated Waverly. Waverly. So that's why Winona is so angry with him in this episode.
1: I think she's angry with him because of what he did to Waverly. I don't know that she knows
2: about him being
1: connected to the Seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is he connected to
2: the Seven? Is that implied now that Winona and Dolls know that he's the revenant in charge of everybody? I don't think they know that.
1: I don't think they do either. Or at least Waverly seems surprised. Like, oh, you're saying there are revenants there? Like, yes, they all are. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Yeah. Or at least they seem to be. The majority of the people living in that trailer park seem to be revenants. But it doesn't seem to me like winona and the rest of the group were aware of the fact
2: yeah so i don't know i i hope they don't keep fast forwarding through the seven revenants but it'll be interesting to see how much of the revenants knowledge you know about bobo will be revealed to the erp sisters and i guess the showdown between winona and bobo that will inevitably be coming
1: speaking of the revenants in this episode they were kind of gross this week. Like, they were spookier than usual. They like, really normally, were. I don't,
2: because normally I'm like, oh, watching it, whatever. But that first shot when Winona saw the barber in the mirror, the side view mirror, I like jumped. I was like, whoa, that guy was spooky. Yeah, he was really mm-hmm. spooky. I mean, he's blue. Yeah, and like licking razors and no eyes, and it's really gross. You know, so then that kind of fed into the scene when the probation officer was hiding in the stall and the screws start coming out. And normally I'm just like, oh, that's a horror trope, whatever. But I found that kind of spooky. It worked for me this episode.
0: Bathroom stalls are not good places to hide, people. No, they're I was not. like,
1: dude, dude, that is, no. Another moment that made me happy in this episode was, and we, and we had a similar moment. I want to say in episode two, maybe it was one uh, with like Winona talking back to condescending men, you know, and in this episode, she she says to the barber guy, you know, just another dude telling me what I've done wrong. And before she had that comment about how I'm not a girl, I'm the girl with a big ass gun. (laughs) I I like that. We've we see her continuing to do that.
0: That's such a good line. The whole just another Mm -hmm. dude telling me what I've done wrong. Then then, yep. is it something like, now I'm going to do something right, or something like that, she says?
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's a good line that kind of wraps up, I'm over this, at least for the moment, you know, all the guilt that I'm carrying. I mean, it's good that she's processing it later with the person who means the most to her, but she's not going to take that crap from, you know, Revenants or whoever.
1: So did we finally figure out what Dals' first name was in this episode? Because that... Spirit guy talking to him through the mirror was like, Xavier. Is that supposed to be his first yes. name? Yeah. I like it. No, I like that uh, the name. I just, I, it wasn't clear on first watching that that's what they were implying because we hadn't, we hadn't been, in, he hadn't introduced himself by his first name yet. But yes, I'm pretty sure I read
0: something that said that that is his first name. So, okay.
1: Yay. He finally has a first name. Yay.
0: Woohoo.
2: And now Xavier and Winona can be Secret Santa partners next Christmas. I did like that line. We could have yes. been think it's Santa. How cute would that have been? <laughs> I'm
1: really liking the dynamic
0: that's building between those two. Me too. Now that it's gotten past the extremely awkward bossiness that was
1: yeah, yeah. dolls, especially. Yeah, he still did have a bossy moment where he was like, if you want to win this war, we got to do it my way. I'm like, ah,
0: dolls. I like, mean, no. I don't think it's <laughs> ever going to completely stop. but
1: No, of course not. But it, it, it's a lot more, they seem a lot more like, Friends and partners, yeah. and, like comrades here right. that they have previously. Well, I
2: liked how even in the middle of the séance, he was encouraging Waverly. He's like, "Keep going, keep going," you know. And he emphasized her importance of the group. So, yeah, I like how their relationship is building between Dolls and Waverly.
1: Yeah, because he even knew that information about the fact that she knew Latin, mm. and clearly Winona was surprised mm-hmm. by it. Yeah, that. yeah. So I think we got a hint that he's been talking to Waverly. He knows some stuff about her that not even or her maybe sister it was knows. in her
0: file, her <laughs> personnel file.
1: That that Officer Hot compiled? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm sure that she compiled with loving care. But I think it's just Waverly doesn't have her little black badge because Dolls and Wynona are of the same mind, that they just want to be the overprotective big sister, you know, boss dude.
0: I mean, Waverly's not field trained in any capacity, though. I mean, Wynona barely is.
2: Yeah. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the team dynamic shifts and... I still want to see Waverly get a badge, personally. We'll see.
1: I, I wonder if it'll come at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode of Owner Earp. You can send us an email about it, feedback at tv.com You can also get in touch with us via our listener voicemail line, 972-514-7223. You can also record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us. You can find show notes for this show as well as links to our other podcasts over at AskGenreTV.com. We have podcasts about Lost Girl and Orphan Black and Killjoyce, which is coming back soon. Yay. Woohoo! Yay. We are on Twitter at AskGenre TV. I'm so glad you could join us for analysis. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. Thanks so much for listening.